The Plan My Wedding podcast. Hello and welcome to episode one of Plan My Wedding. Congratulations too, as you're probably here because you've just got engaged. Now, unless you're the type of person who gets as excited at spreadsheets as you did when they whipped out the ring, you're probably feeling a little bit daunted. Don't worry, we've got you covered. In this series, we'll be giving advice and tips on everything you need to think about when you plan your big day. From what type of venue is right for you, to managing seating plans and organising the party. Like having help on the day itself, you'll be able to feel more relaxed and enjoy the experience of planning your wedding. So they asked, you said yes, the champagne corks popped and parents were told the exciting news. What next? Do we start looking at venues? No. Elaborate social media reveal? Maybe. But actually, the first thing you should do is far less exciting, but essential to everything which happens next. Set your budget. So a bit later, we're going to have some expert tips on how to save. First, we need to clarify exactly what you're saving for. So let's start at the very beginning, Mel. How much should we be saving for a wedding? My favourite answer to this question is it depends. (laughs) And it very much does depend. Every couple is so different. And we see lots of different couples come to us. And it really does depend on what you are prepared to invest in your wedding. What do you want to invest into your wedding? So say we are going to an exceptionally popular wedding venue that does anywhere between 150 to 200 weddings a year. What kind of budget do we need for that kind of wedding? So... They, whoever they are, set that at the moment, the average wedding spend for a very popular venue, as you say, that that may do a few hundred weddings a year, couples are spending somewhere in the region of mid-20s, so 25, something like that. As a private wedding planner, we don't tend to see those sort of budgets quite so much. We tend to be dealing with a bit more of a high-end wedding and a higher-end budget. So the average high-end wedding spend is... We are currently finding that our couples are spending from 50,000 upwards for a higher end budget. And what kind of thing do we get for 50 grand? So you would get obviously a beautiful wedding. Not saying you can't have a beautiful wedding if you're spending less than that. Must make that clear. You'd get your venue hire. You'd get your catering, your flowers, your entertainment um, and obviously a, a wedding planning service involved as well. So if I was coming to you for your advice on how to set a budget for my wedding, what's the first thing you would tell me to do? I think what's really important is you need to establish what you're looking for as a couple. There are several ways of attacking the start of your wedding journey, your wedding planning journey. Some couples come to us and they don't really know what they are going to spend because they say, well, we don't know what we need to spend because we've never planned a wedding before totally understand that. A lot of the time, it really will depend on what they can afford. So if, for example, a couple will come to us and say, right, we want to get married in a year or 18 months, we have to establish what they are prepared to put into it. Or if someone's helping them, perhaps contributions from parents, etc. If they're very lucky, then they will be able to sit down and say, right, we've got X number of pounds in the bank, parents are prepared to contribute whatever into the pot, then you've got a pot and you can work out where you go to spend that money as wisely as you can. We do often get couples that come to us and say, we don't have a budget, which actually is quite hard. The way that I compare it, it's almost like going and shopping for a car, 
but you really don't know how much money you are prepared to spend or you've got to spend, it's quite difficult. Where do you start? So if you don't know what you're prepared to spend on your wedding and you're going to spend whatever it costs to get the type of wedding that you want, then you need to work out with your planner or on your own if you're not using a planner, what kind of wedding is it that you actually want? And then someone can give you advice on how much that's going to cost. So as a couple, how do we arrive at that point? How much it's going to cost? No, in terms of what kind of wedding we want. Okay, so a really good way of starting is to spend some time, glass of wine, sit down, two blank pieces of paper and write down your priorities. I often say to couples, if you really don't know the kind of wedding that you want, separately write down the things to you individually that are your priorities you'll often find a very different set of results so it's quite interesting what kind of venue do you want to be in do you want to be in a country house do you want to be in a barn do you want to be in a coastal venue do you want to be in a marquee in mum and dad's garden whatever it is write those priorities down what are your top three things that you really want to see and you'll often see that both sides of the couple will have different answers. So how do you deal with a couple who aren't aligned? Yes, you have to find some common ground and that will sometimes cause some tricky situations um, (laughs) and it will often mean some compromise and I think it's like going to look for a house when you often... When, when a couple go and see a house together, potentially one person wants to live in a certain location, one in another, one wants to have a certain style of house and the other maybe wants something different. It's about finding some compromise and some middle ground if you can't both tick all the boxes. And at the risk of stereotyping, do you generally find that one gender is more engaged than the other? Generally, yes, but I would caveat that. I'd say having having been in the business now for, for nearly 15 years, it has usually been the tradition that you deal with the bride. It's usually the female side. However, over the years, I have seen an emergence of dealing with the groom. And I really like dealing with the groom. It's great. Grooms do come at things in a slightly different manner, probably far less of an emotional, emotive. It's a Mars and Venus thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think boys tend to be a little bit more matter of fact about everything, quite sort of clear about what you want them to do for you. And it's quite a nice approach. So I really do welcome dealing with, not not that I'm saying I don't want to deal with the bride, because obviously we do, <laughs> but it's just a different approach. And I actually do quite like a, a, a sort of situation where you're dealing with a couple, but the groom is leading things. And I think the brides do sometimes really enjoy that, especially if they're busy. Now, that's really encouraging to hear because my interpretation is that generally the brides are driving and the grooms are just passengers, but we've moved away from that now. I think so. You do still get that scenario and you'll hear the bride say, I've planned everything. The only bit that he was interested in was the bar and the music or the entertainment, and those were the only things that he was interested in. The rest of it, he's literally just being told when to turn up you see they always said booking the entertainment was very much a blue job but in these things but i get so many brides now that come to us that want to sort that out it's changing it is very much shifting so you've got a pot of money in front of you how should that be divided up what should we be looking at in terms of percentage terms on where we invest that money right so a really great place to start and this has been um a rule of thumb for me and my couples over many many years so you take your pot of money the first thing you need to do is is decide on your venue. So if you've got your pot of money in front of you and you think, right, how am I going to spend that in the wisest possible way? As a very general rule of thumb, you should be looking to spend approximately 50 to 60% of your budget on your venue and your catering combined. And if you don't therefore know 
what your venue is going to be or where you should be looking if you've established your budget let's say I don't know you've got 40,000 to spend you should be looking somewhere around about the 20,000 possibly 22 23,000 to go and secure your venue and catering combined so you might be going to a venue where they offer you a package where you pay for the venue hire and the food all in one or you might be looking at going and renting a field putting a marquee in it and bringing a caterer combine those two figures and if that comes to somewhere around 50 to 60 percent of your budget then you know that you're looking at the right venue for you for your budget if you've got that 40,000 to spend and your venue and catering combined is coming out at 30,000, it's just not going to happen. So don't waste your time and don't waste the venue's time because you're really trying to secure something that you're either not prepared to pay for or your budget's just not going to stretch. So something has to give. The next item on the budget presumably is going to depend on where their priorities are, whether they're keen on having something that's very stylized or something that's very functional. Mm, absolutely so presumably then the next is the photographer could be absolutely and this will come down to going back to the list that the couple made hopefully or the conversation that they're having with their planner as to what's the next priority for them where do they want to direct the remaining part of their budget so if I've got a couple that are really into the styling side of their wedding flowers the dressing the decor that sort of thing that would probably be the next big chunk of their budget that's where we're going to be directing it to so going back to your couple that have got their 40,000 if they're spending 20 22,000 on their venue and their their catering combined they'd be then looking to spend the rest of their budget and working out where is the best place to spend that so it could be speaking to florists seeing what they would then be able to spend out of the remaining part of their budget on flowers and decor and working out where they can get the most for their money so doing a bit of research at this stage is really important. Do you find a lot of couples go onto Pinterest and places like that? They do. And I have to say, it's probably not going to go down very well, but I'm not a massive Pinterest fan. Neither am I. That's fine. Good. <laughs> and it's because I think that brides and grooms, but the majority will be brides, get a little bit carried away on images. And I think in some ways, Pinterest can be a little bit unhelpful because a lot of what the brides see on there is American they'll see things on there that you can't really get in this country and they'll get quite fixated with images of things and trying to recreate that for their own wedding they have to be realistic so if we're going back to that £40,000 budget if they've got I don't know 17-ish thousand left out of this budget out of that they've got to get flowers cars potentially entertainment stationery photographer cake all of the other elements not to mention dress and and, and sort of dressing bridesmaids and groom etc there's quite a lot to still spend and you have to be realistic about how you then carve that up is it a hindrance if i go off and speak to i don't know a girl i have in mind to be a bridesmaid and ask her for her opinion and similarly canvas other people for opinions at this stage is that a help or a hindrance dangerous <laughs> everyone's got an opinion and I think a lot of couples find that throughout their wedding planning journey that the more people they involve the more contribution they perhaps ask for from family and friends it can create issues because people are putting in their opinion and it does become a very a very big pot of different opinions all mixed up it's quite a good idea to take a step back and remember throughout the process that it's your wedding it's what you would like. 
It's no one else getting married. It's your opportunity. It's your journey. And try not to let too many people's opinions come into it because you'll get very confused. We'll take a break from budgets to discuss the best ways to save with financial journalist and presenter of Radio 4's Moneybox, Paul Lewis. Now, Paul, if you were saving for a wedding, what's the most efficient way to go about it? The first thing, of course, Simon, is to think, how much do I need? And then you should start saving regularly. Um, And I would recommend each of you sets up their own regular savings account with your bank. Now, you might have to change banks to get a good deal, but most banks now do do regular savings accounts. You can put a certain amount in each month and they give you a good rate of interest. It's better if you have them separate, because if you do that, there's a limit to how much you can save each month on these accounts. So if, if you each do one, you've got twice that limit. So start that. And if you're looking to save £20,000, £25,000, you are talking about four or £500 each every month for two years. So it's a big commitment. And what can we do to protect our savings? If you save with a regulated bank, then your savings are safe, up to £85,000. So that's not going to be a problem for most people saving for a wedding. So go with a regulated bank and... If you think about what you can save regularly and that's still not enough and then maybe after a year that will come to an end and you've got a lump sum, you then want to put that lump sum into a one-year bond with a bank or building society because that will earn a higher rate of interest. You know, you can earn 4% or more over that one year and that's worth having you know it can make the difference you it can pay for the flowers or a bit of the champagne or something at the end a few hundred quid so put it into a one-year bond not an ISA because they pay less you won't have to worry about income tax because you won't be earning enough interest to worry about that put it in a one-year bond and then you can't touch it and a year from now it'll be there and hopefully bigger and also of course get everyone else to join in. I mean, saving that much yourself is a lot of money. So if you've got friends, relatives particularly, parents, uncles, aunts, cousins, anyone, say, well, look, if you want to contribute to the wedding, here's the account number, pay the money into it, and then you'll have a bit more money in that account. So it's well worth doing to to, to spread the load of the wedding among your relatives. If you've developed a spending timeline, that would probably help a lot with the bond because once you know what you're spending and when those payments are due, as you say, if you could pop the cash into a bond for a year, that's going to be a very efficient way. Yes, it is. And as I say, those are the best rates of interest. Um, Obviously, these things change and we don't know where they're going in future, but, you know, 4% or more now. And that's that's worth having on, on a significant sum that you're saving for a wedding. So, yes, a spending timeline, of course. The thing I'd caution people about, though, is trying to do it quickly, get-rich-quick schemes. You know, you can go on social media and people say, oh, you can double your money. Don't believe them. They're all cons. Do it safely with a regulated bank. So don't save for your wedding using Bitcoin. Okay. So (laughs) some people pay for their weddings on interest-free credit cards. Is that a sensible option? Interest-free credit cards are still borrowing money. Now, interest-free credit cards, you you can have an interest-free spending card... There won't be any interest charge, perhaps for 12 months, maybe up to two years or a little bit more if you've got a good credit record. But don't forget that is borrowing. And at some point you have to pay it back. And if you don't close that account before the end of that 12 months or 24 months period, 
wham, you'll be paying 26% interest. That's like £260 a year on £1,000 borrowed before you've even paid any of it back. So again, it's discipline. Make sure if you do use a 0% credit card that you can pay it back in that time. And my advice is once you've used it, once you've spent the money you need to on it, cut it up because you don't want to have a permanent debt on a card like that. What advice would you give in terms of the psychological approach to saving money? (laughs) Um, Once you've saved it, it's gone. Just put it away. Never even think of touching it. Regular saving, planning, that's what's important and not touching it until that magic day when you have to start paying for your wedding. And I should just say, finally, if you want to get the best rates, there's a website that I always use called savingschampion.co.uk. Rates are updated every day. You know it's up to date and you know everything on there is with a regulated bank so your money is safe. So let's go back to the couple's budget. Do you tend to find that people have realistic expectations of how much things cost? Definitely not. And it's really topical. It's a really topical conversation. I do find that, and I've had this conversation with other planners and they're finding a a similar thing, that we're often having to educate couples on the true cost of some of the elements of their wedding planning, particularly things like food and flowers. I think that what's been going on in the last few years in this country, coming out of Europe, all of the political unrest, the war that's been going on in Ukraine, All of those things have had a massive impact on some of the things that we buy in this country. I think that couples don't really appreciate and I I don't blame them because they don't really know the cost, the true cost of these things. But buying in things like food and flowers, the price has shot up. And I think that couples really do need to speak to experts that can advise them what the cost of these items are to make sure that they're being realistic on the amount of money that they need to spend to get the kind of thing that they want. Something's got to give. If you've got a particular pot of money, going back to our 40,000 again, let's say that out of that uh, remaining 17 odd thousand that we were talking about, you've decided to dedicate 4,000 pounds to flowers. What you're going to buy now in 2022, 23 for that 4,000 pounds for flowers is going to be far less than what you would have got your money three or four years ago. It's going to buy you less. So you have to weigh it up. Do we want to still spend 4,000 on flowers or is it a real priority for us that we want stunning, beautiful flowers with installations in various places around the venue? We want to be really elaborate and luxe. You're not going to get that for 4,000. You need to adjust your expectation or your budget. That price increase has shocked quite a few people who have married recently as in 10, 15 years ago, you were mentioning earlier about a friend of yours who had quite a simple, straightforward church and hotel wedding Mm. and they couldn't get their head around how much more expensive things are. Yeah, I think the higher end of the market is certainly spending um, a considerable amount of money on their wedding if they can afford to do so. That's great. And I'm not saying that you have to spend an obscene amount of money to have an amazing wedding. You can certainly have a beautiful wedding for a smaller more intimate affair or spend less and I'm not here to encourage people to go wild and and spend lots of money however we tend to deal with the higher end and quite a few of the weddings that we dealt with last year and going into next year were quite happily investing 80 to 100,000 on their wedding and yes that is higher end they are spending perhaps on a on a on a very elaborate um 
quality of, of flowers, uh, decor, etc. Going for some really key pieces and spending some real good money on that because it's important to them. Or they might be going crazy on having lots of entertainment throughout the day and going into the evening. And you've got to factor all of those costs in. And I do, I have had these conversations with friends that um, did get married 10, 15 years ago. And like you say, a, a simple hotel church wedding back then would have been a completely different price point to what it is now. And I think that people really do struggle to see how things have changed. But I think the wedding market has changed dramatically. Certainly since I've been involved in the last 15 years, it really has changed a whole lot. And I think things do cost a heck of a lot more. And people need to appreciate that when they're embarking on their journey. So aside from having unrealistic expectations, what's the biggest mistake people make when planning their wedding? There are lots. Obviously not hiring a wedding planner. In terms of budgets. (laughs) In terms of budget. I think that a lot of couples have an unrealistic expectation of where their money is going to go and be used wisely if they've got a really high number. So I do find it a surprise if a couple comes to us and says, okay, we need to get all of this in for 40,000 but we want to invite 150 people. Let's look at your your numbers <laughs> straight away. You're going to limit the number of venues to begin with that can accommodate you for those high numbers. And think about what it costs you to go to a restaurant these days for a half-decent meal, for a starter, a main course, and a pudding. Multiply that up by 150 people and work out where you're at. That is already going to eat your budget. And... I think a lot of people don't consider it in that way. And if you're going to a wedding, certainly if you're doing a marquee wedding in the middle of a field or bringing a caterer into a venue, they are effectively taking the whole restaurant and mobilising it and taking it to you. So, of course, it's going to be more expensive than walking into your local restaurant and having a meal. A lot of couples don't get that. So the first bit of advice is if you are limited on your budget or you want to bring your wedding in on budget and you've got high numbers revisit your guest list it's not going to happen that's a painful thing to do but it's a lot cheaper absolutely (laughs) absolutely without giving too much of the magic away are there any hacks you can give us on how we can save money with our wedding planning definitely I think that couples are sometimes guilty for wasting money maybe spending money on things throughout the day that are not going to be noticed So it is possible to do away with some of those elements that your guests are not going to walk away and go, oh, they didn't have any favours on their table. That's terrible. What an awful wedding. Um, Certain little things like that that perhaps isn't going to add to the overall uh, feel of the day, the, the, the sort of experience that your guests get when they walk away. So things like not wasting money on favours at the table. Maybe look at um, clever ways of saving money on your cake. You can go for a really elaborate cake if you want something fantastic in the room. Speak to your cake designer about potentially doing some dummy tears in your cake. You could still have something really big and elaborate, but potentially two or three of the tears are are fake. You could then have a, a kitchen cake hidden away with your caterer that could then cut that cake rather than having all of the the tiered cake that's a genius idea it is a genius idea and nobody will ever know you just got to remember (laughs) not to try to cut the dummy tier so being around at the end of the day as wedding djs we often wonder how that giant cake has only ended up being relatively small thing that people are picking from and that's obviously why yeah that will be why that's genius exactly so you could have this massive elaborate cake five six tiers and you might find that two or three of the tiers are, are fake 
or dummy. Another way is if you did want to have a real cake, why don't you use it as your pudding? Speak to your caterer. Cut it at the beginning of the wedding breakfast when you come in. I much prefer that anyway, cutting it at the beginning of the meal. If it's a really hot day, you don't want a cake sitting around. That's an absolutely brilliant point because the number of weddings that we get to in the evening where the cake is looking really shaky. Yeah, looking a bit dodgy. And if it's a really hot day and people have been walking past it, let's just think of it from that sort of perspective. It's quite nice. Get it cut as soon as you come in. Get it into the kitchen. Go in the fridge. Be chilled. Cut it down. Serve it for pudding. Great. The evening guests don't really want to see the cake being cut, do they? Not really. I think it's the thing that a lot of couples feel like they've got to save the cutting of the cake for the evening guests arriving. I actually don't think they really, really care. (laughs) Sorry to say. Let's get them a drink on arrival instead. I think they would appreciate that even more. Let's make sure they get welcomed. Let's have someone on the door to welcome your evening guests. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. Rather than them walking in and seeing the bit that they weren't invited to, it's nice to welcome them. Give them a glass of fizz. Again, that's a fantastic thing. I think that often evening guests, when they arrive, do feel a little bit left out. But it's like walking into any party that's been going for four or five hours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So make them feel welcome. That is just a little tip that I always give. I do have to say that I find a lot of the weddings that we do no longer have additional evening guests coming. Everyone is there for the whole day and the evening, which I much prefer. If you can afford to do that, fantastic. A couple of other little quick hacks that you can do. Why don't you look to your friends and family? You know, people will often find that they've got very talented people in their family. So rather than having 20 toasters or, you know, whatever you don't need because you already live together most couples already do they've already got everything for their home so rather than having a gift list why don't you call to the talents of your friends and family if you've got someone that's amazing at stationery get them to help you with your stationery design if you've got someone that's an incredible baker get them to make your cake for you let them gift that to you as their wedding gift rather than you spending that five or six hundred quid here or you know a thousand pounds there get them to contribute towards it in some way You've blown my mind with some very simple hacks there, Mel. Well, you know, there's a lot more of those um, over the years that we've been in business. We've definitely found some really great ways of saving money along the way for our couples. We hope you're feeling enlightened and inspired by what we've had to share. If you have, please take a moment to leave a review. And if you haven't already, hit subscribe so you won't miss the next episode of Plan My Wedding. The Plan My Wedding podcast was a Happy Lion Media production. 